Are you guys ready to hear a word of God this morning? Good. Pull out your Bibles. Pull out your notes. If your neighbor's not doing it, bop them on the head because it's going to be a good one this morning. We have a, we have a special speaker this morning. We're starting off a new three-week series. You're going to hear from three different amazing people from our church over the next three weeks, um, and we're going to kick it off this week. So I need you to go bananas. If you know where you love her, Karis Freegie, ladies and gentlemen. Come on up, Karis. She's going to preach for us this morning, so I'm going to pray for her and then bring her little podium thing over here. Great. That's all you got. Well, wow. I technically left them at home, but I'm feeling good about this. I, actually, I really do. It's fine. Oh, it's going to be extra good. Yes. Lord, we thank you so much for Karis. Pray that you'd fill her with the Holy Spirit. God, open up our hearts to receive your word this morning. Speak to us. Make us hungry where we're not hungry and make us more hungry where we are. And would you fill her with the Holy Spirit? I thank you that... Uh, whether she has her notes or not, it's your word, and it's good. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, so get ready to shout her down, clap, say amen. That's a good word. Yes. Take it away, Karis. All right. Well, I almost didn't make it here this week. I don't know about you, but this was one of those weeks where I was like, you know how before the storm, you're like, I totally trust you, Jesus. I am with you. And then the storm hits, and you're like, why are you asleep, Jesus? Like, where are you? What are you going to do? And, and uh, that was how my week was, to be totally honest. So I am recovering from that. Um, but I'm recovering because I feel like God has such purpose for today and for this series. As the three of us were just talking about what we're going to speak about, it was like really clear that the Lord had an agenda. Um, I love, personally, new things. Um, especially in this season of my life. Some of you may know this, some of you may not, that my husband and I, this is Chad, um, (laughs) we are so thankful to be part of this family, and we have been here since we met in Andrew and Heather's house two summers ago, a summer ago. Anyway, a long time ago, it seems like now. um, We have four wonderful kids, and last November, this is actually so cool because today is eight months from the day that our son had a tumor taken out of his abdomen. Um, And I just like forever want to remember this as the day that God began to heal my son of something I didn't even know he had. So we've been on this healing journey as our son has battled stage four Wilms tumor. Um, And So this week was one of the low weeks. We've had 36 weeks of treatment, and I can just tell you that I just needed a new day. So does anyone else just need a new new moment? You know, like, you just need new mercies, and I'm so thankful that that's God's agenda for our lives. I love how G.K. Chesterton, can I quote him this early in a sermon, but he wrote a book called Orthodoxy, and one of my favorite quotes in it um, is that God has the eternal appetite of infancy because we have sinned and grown old, but our Heavenly Father is younger than we are. And I think he wired us to love new things because sin makes us old. It makes us feel old, makes the day feel long, (laughs) makes our lives feel weary, but he is full of just newness. And so as we're stepping in, even as a church body, like we are about to move into a new building and we're going to get new people. And that's exciting. We already have new faces and, but that God's going to continue to bring new. And sometimes it's easy, at least for me, you know, we were, we've been here 10 years now. Um, since we first got married, I tried not to drink espresso to make myself shaky. It just, it's not the espresso, apparently. But anyway, so, uh, but we moved here 10 years ago. And so um, we were part of different churches around the city. This, this city is like full of awesome churches. And we received from so many people. And, you know, every time we would leave a place, I always felt really sad. Like I was leaving 
people that I loved or things that I loved about specific places. And one of the places we were at, I was talking to the pastor, and now looking back, I'm like, this could have been offensive, but I didn't know that at the time. But I was like, I just wish we could merge churches and every pastor could rotate and we could be like the church of Indianapolis <laughs> to the pastor. <laughs> Randy Gooder. And <laughs> Johnny's right there. Anyway, that's his son. But Randy was like, hey, Karis, that's awesome. But then you would lose the individual expression of the bride. And if you know Randy, you're like, hmm, yeah, like, you need to be quiet. But I actually feel like the Lord's just been speaking to me about this theme, like, as, I, as we're stepping in together, that we're not just the new, like, next thing, that we're not just the extension of Antioch, Waco in Antioch, Indianapolis, that this is a new thing. And that there's, like, enough of God to do a new thing. You know, sometimes I'm like, oh, we're just kind of like the imitation, but it's not. Like, we're just like pretending, or we're this and this, and we're a combination, but it's not. Like, he's doing something he's never done before, and so I think that means we just get a fresh start. So, with all that, the title of this series is New Wine, which some of you, like, you hear new wine, you're like, yes, I want new wine. Then others of you are like, I have no idea what that means, or practically how that works out in my life. And so that's the point of today's message, is to give us context for what I believe is the new wine that God wants to give us. He's like so eager to give us. So before we get in there, let's pray. Holy Spirit, I need your help. We need your help. Would you just speak? I feel like I have so many words, but I just want to say what you want to say. And I thank you, Father, that this is something that Jesus spoke about and that I have the spirit of his son inside of me. So we just ask that Jesus, would you, like, would it just be like you're just speaking to us right now? Would our ears be open? I pray, Lord, that you would speak to every heart. I saw a picture on my way here this morning and just felt like the Lord wanted to give gifts to every single person in the room. So would you do it um, in spite of me and while I'm speaking, God, in your name? Amen. Okay, so I actually don't need that shocking. Uh, Okay, so I want you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 5. We're actually starting in the middle of a parable, and I really appreciate that Jesus spoke in parables so often because although I am not a poet, I love poetic people, and I can appreciate words, and I think it's cool that he would speak to big groups, and he's like, you know those movies where like they're really smart people, and it's like a bunch of puzzles or mazes, and you're like trying to figure out like the meaning that you're deciphering things, like I love stuff like that, and I think that's how Jesus preached a lot of times. He, he's so smart. And he, he wanted to have this treasure that we had to seek out. And so that's kind of what this parable is. It's a treasure that we're going to seek out. So I'm going to give you how I feel like the Holy Spirit told me to preach about this. But you might even get a different interpretation in your time. And that's okay because the Holy Spirit knows the word better than I do. And he's living and active. But I want to give context before we get into this passage of Luke chapter 5 of what's happening. And you know, when Jesus was alive, it was a pretty like politically weird time. It's as if, I was thinking about this, like maybe this is wrong, but it's as if like Russia came and was occupying us. And then we have these like, we're like a religious country and our leaders are religious. That's weird. Anyway, but you know what I'm saying? Like it was just a weird time. And these religious leaders, these Pharisees and their scribes is actually who Jesus is addressing this parable to. And they have spent generations waiting for a Messiah. They're like so excited and they have a bunch of ideas of how the Messiah will behave and how he won't behave. And Jesus in this chapter is like toppling every single one of their ideas and they're upset. They're like offended. And I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible, to me, the Pharisees, I'm like, I'm not them. Like I'm always the protagonist in every story. I'm like the one disciple who wouldn't have ran away from Jesus. I'm the David who wouldn't have looked at Bathsheba. Like I am faithful, but 
<clears throat> this week was a good example of like, hey, Karis, I think you're a little bit more like the Pharisees than you think you are. <laughs> so that's just for us. Um, anyway, but in this chapter, it starts out that Jesus is preaching on a boat to a bunch of fishermen. And during this time, when a teacher, a rabbi, which is what Jesus was, called by his disciples, when he would call his disciples, they would be like the cream of the crop intellectually, okay? They'd be people who, boys who went to synagogue from the time they were little, they study the Torah, the book of the law, and they like love it. And so Jesus goes and he calls not the smartest, not the most religiously equipped, he calls a bunch of fishermen. And to us, we're like so used to that, but that was pretty offensive to have a bunch of followers that were fishermen who like didn't even know the Torah. Like what are they talking about, you know? And then the next thing that happens is there's a leper who comes to Jesus and he asks for healing. And in this culture, a leper was unclean also because by contact you got leprosy. So they were trying to prevent it from spreading. And Jesus, when he comes to this leper, instead of just saying, hey, be healed, he touches him. He breaks something that's like culturally, like it's a good law. It's there for their safety. But he breaks it and offense, again, like flies. You know, they're just offended. Why did he have to touch him? Why couldn't he have just said, be clean and actually like obey the law, Jesus? Then the next one, a paralytic. His friends let him down through the roof. You guys know this story. And Jesus looks at him and instead of saying, hey, be healed, get up and walk like he does to everyone else, he says, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees are like, he can't forgive sins. What is he talking about? Only God can forgive sins. And they're just offended, and rightly so. Like, this is blowing their mind. And then the last thing that Jesus does is, in this chapter at least, Matthew is a tax collector. Now, this is like if we had a leader who was an American, but like working for the Russians who are occupying us. This is not prophetic because that's not going to happen. But like, let's say that that happens. You kind of, you don't like these people. And Jesus is there with his disciples. And we can kind of infer from this passage that the Pharisees were in a time of fasting. They would electively fast twice a week, even though in the law, they only had to fast on the day of atonement, one day a year. But they would like electively fast. Not a bad thing. But Jesus and his disciples aren't fasting, they're feasting. And that also is like offensive, like pull it together, at least make these disciples who are really fishermen fast, you know, instead of feast in a sinner's house. And they're offended. And I can look at this and be like, oh, I just wouldn't have been offended, but I think I would have been offended. I think I would have had generations of like, I'm a righteous person. I know what the Messiah is supposed to do and you're not doing it. Okay, so this is what Jesus is saying. So I want us to get into Luke 5 verse 37 is where we're going to start. And it says, And no one, this is Jesus speaking, puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins, and it will be spilled, and the skins will be destroyed. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, desires new, for he says the old is good. Okay, so... We're going to define some terms because this is one of those parables that I would probably read and just be like, amen, and move on and be like, I have no idea what he just meant, but I know it's true because of who said it. So I want to define these things kind of to make it easy for us. The first thing I want everyone to say, new wine, wine. and everyone say wineskin. Okay, so there's new wine. New wine, as I am defining it right now, is revelation from the Holy Spirit. Now, who of you are like, you love revelation from the Holy Spirit? And then some are like, I have no idea what that means. But the word revelation literally just means something that the divine discloses or tells a human. 
So there's this revelation from the Holy Spirit that Jesus is attempting to get through to the Pharisees. He's attempting to tell these crowds, this is actually what's on God's heart. This is what God's doing. And the Pharisees are looking at it and they're like, we cannot have that. Now I want you to say wineskin again. Guess what's the wineskin? You are. We are. Our hearts, our minds, however you think of yourself. I always think of myself as a mind, which is such a lie because I'm really mostly feeling. But in my head, I'm like, I am totally thinking right now (laughs) through this intense feeling. But our hearts and our minds, that's the wineskin, okay? And this is what I love is that Jesus is calling for fresh wineskins. You know, some of the translations say new wineskin, but actually in the Greek, it's this word that it means, it implies freshness, fresh wineskin. God wants to pour out new wine into your fresh wineskin. Unless we leave this passage and think like the Pharisees just missed it. They were a bunch of old wineskins. Paul was a Pharisee and he gets it. And in Acts in chapter 15, it talks about how they're among the council in Jerusalem of the church. There were a bunch of Pharisees. So eventually some Pharisees left their old wineskin and they were made new. Okay, so I want to return to this passage and just look at this idea that Jesus is wanting to give us new wine. What is new wine? It's revelation from the Holy Spirit. Well, what does that mean? I love how throughout the Bible, the Holy Spirit, he just comes how he wants to come. Like he's just like he's kind of the the, the wild card of the Trinity. And you're like, I don't really know what you're going to look like. Sometimes he's a rushing wind. Sometimes he's a flame of fire, a tongue of fire. Sometimes he's water. And in this passage, he's wine. He's wine. In Ephesians 5, 18, this is kind of context in case you don't believe me. Paul says, do not be drunk with wine, which is debauchery but, or debauchery or something. But be filled with the be filled with the Spirit. You know, sometimes when people are filled with the Holy Spirit, regardless of where you come from, camp-wise and charismania or not, the Holy Spirit makes you do weird things. Okay, if you don't believe me, you can look in the Old Testament. When Saul starts prophesying, he's a king of Israel. He lays naked with a bunch of prophets and is prophesying. That's weird, and that sounds like a drunk person. But that's the Holy Spirit. Like, he apprehends our senses sometimes to get us totally out of the way. So that's good news. Also in Acts chapter 2, if you need more proof that the Holy Spirit can come like wine, when Pentecost happens, the disciples are in the upper room. The sound of a mighty rushing wind comes. The, the disciples get filled with the Spirit. They start prophesying. And I'm going to just say that they're not just speaking in tongues. They might be doing weird things because the people all around them are like, these guys are drunk. And it's like 9 in the morning. And Peter gets up and he's like, we are not drunk as some of you suppose. And he like gives the gospel and then three th- or however many get come to know the Lord after that. And they're repenting everywhere. But the Holy Spirit can come like wine. So do you believe me on that? Okay, Holy Spirit (laughs) comes like wine. But another thing the Holy Spirit does, he doesn't just come like wine to make you crazy. He comes to give us revelation. I love how in John 16, verse 14, he says that I have come to disclose. He says he will glorify me. He's talking about Holy Spirit. For he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples here. And he's like, the Holy Spirit is going to tell you what's mine and what's yours. So that's why we need revelation from the Holy Spirit. We need to know what's ours that belong to Jesus. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 through 10, 
It says, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Like, those are big depths to search. And he wants to make known to us what's on God's mind. This is mind-blowing for me, literally mind-blowing. You know, when we first had our son diagnosed, it was one of those moments where, obviously, I'm sure all of you can imagine, the bottom drops out, and things are spinning, and you have a lot of voices and a lot of new terms and a lot of new words and things you'd never imagine. But when I would get alone with God, with Chad, it was like the Lord had new wine. He was like, hey, there's something that's been spoken about your son, but I have, I have a narrative for this. Do you want to hear it? Like, I, I have a narrative that's different. For every one of our lives, he has a narrative that's so different than what the world wants to tell us, than what our disappointment wants to tell us. But, but what's, what's terrifying about this passage to me is the, the implication that we can miss the new wine if we don't have a fresh wineskin. Because look at what he says. He says, if I put the new wine into an old wineskin, what happens? The old wineskin breaks, and then the new wine is spilled, and it's just wasted. So he says, I'm only going to put this new wine into a fresh wineskin. This is why it's important to look at how in Isaiah 11, verse 2, it says that he's the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Because I needed wisdom when I heard about my son. I needed, we needed wisdom. Do we choose these paths of treatment? All through this journey, as Cade has had different reactions, I, I have called doctors. What's fascinating is how much they don't know. They know so much. And then they also don't know so much about really what the chemo is going to do in his body individually. They've never had a Cade before. But that's also exciting because I know who knows. Like, I have direct access to my Heavenly Father, and I can say, God, like, what do I give Cade this week? What's a practical step? And it's amazing how he doesn't just give the new wine just to me for my life. He gives it also to my friends, which is why it's important that we have community who's receiving new wine too, because I need what they're doing. I need them to call. Even this morning, talking to Carly, she's like, hey, I had a picture of your son's intestines. Like, that's kind of weird. But it was, it was like confirming to me like, oh, this medicine I just ordered for him to help like soothe his GI tract, the Lord knew, and he gave a picture to Carly. So she would tell me and I would feel encouraged. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing to me. Now, I want to kind of go into this, this fresh wineskin. What is a wineskin? So in this time, they didn't just have like bottles or jugs of wine. They would actually let the wine ferment in a wineskin. It was a skin of an animal. So when you had an old wineskin, it means that the wineskin has expanded to its capacity. It's carrying all it can carry. The gases have fermented. It's carrying this old wine, and it can't handle new wine because if you put it in and the new wine starts to ferment and get older, it'll burst. It gets dry. It gets brittle. But what I love about this is that Jesus says fresh wineskin. When I was studying a couple of the commentaries, actually talked about how a wineskin can be rejuvenated. Do you want to hear? Okay, I'm going to tell you. So (laughs) this is super prophetic. A wineskin, it gets rejuvenated because these things sometimes cost a lot of money. And back then, they didn't just have, like, stores you could go pick up a wineskin. You had to, like, have a goat and cut it and treat it and, like, line it with pitch and then fill it with wine. You know, it's it's a process, and it's expensive. So you would take this wineskin, you would soak it in water. Do you remember where I told you the Holy Spirit sometimes comes in the Old Testament as water? And then you would massage oil into the wineskin. 
Does anyone need your mind sometimes to be like massaged with oil so that I'm a fresh wineskin? So I want to get into this definition as us as wineskins. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, he says, Paul says, For God said, let light shine out of darkness. And he has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure. This treasure is the knowledge of God in the face of Jesus Christ in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So we are the vessel. We are the wineskin carrying the knowledge of the glory of God. And I love that it says knowledge because a lot happens in our minds. And in this process with Chad and I, there's a lot to know about what's happening with Kate. There's a whole reality right here that the world has. And it's very true. All the things are true, but there's a truer truth on this other side. Do you know what I'm saying? And so it's like, which truth am I going to live in? Which truth am I going to let fill my jar of clay? What kind of a vessel am I going to be? All of us have this choice. It doesn't just have to be what I'm talking about. And as Chad and I have just been talking about this message, I think the Lord's, like, in a funny way, been like, hey, here's a bunch of old wineskins you're dealing with. Would you like to talk about them? Because all of us have old wineskins in our hearts. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. And you know what? I love that the Holy Spirit is not like, oh, my gosh, you're an old wineskin. He's like, hey, let's get rid of it. Or let's massage it. And, like, you can soak for a little bit. And, and then you can be fresh. And I'll fill you with new revelation. But in order to get filled with this fresh revelation that you really need for everyday life, we have to come to God with our old wineskins. So I want to give just some examples, maybe, of old wineskins that we can talk about. I think for me, one of the things I realized when all of this happened is that I have an old wineskin of anxiety. Um, my grandmommy dealt with anxiety. My Aunt Lisa, like, Google meds everything. You know, it's like you're dying, basically, if, like, your, your hip hurts. And my mom, and it's, like, masked as I love you and I'm concerned for you, but I'm also sending you this email about how toothpaste is going to cause oral cancer and, you know, like, all this stuff. And it's this old wineskin of worry. Well... Guess what happens when your son gets diagnosed? That old wineskin of worry feels pretty validated. You're like, oh, no, I should have worried more. Like, what have I done? There are moments where I'm like, what did I do? Like, what did I do for his five years of life that would have caused this? Which maybe there's something, but I don't, I don't think there is. And I think at the end of the day, I have to exchange that old wineskin for the fresh one, or at least be made fresh, of just saying, like, oh, wait. When, I remember when this first happened, literally what I just told you, that it was the day that God started to heal my son, that was what he told me. He said, you can choose to see it like this and to speak about this. And some people do. And it's like the awe effect of like, he has this kind of cancer. Or you can say, God is healing my son. And I'm so ignorant. I didn't even know he needed to be healed. But God did because he's a good father. That's my new wineskin. Y'all see what I mean? Okay, so practically another one could be just like your fear of failure. For your whole life, you've had to succeed, you've, you've succeeded. You've been a successful person because you've succeeded. So if you don't succeed, you're going to fail. Like that's an old wineskin. You can't carry the revelation of that sometimes when you fail, God meets you in that place, right? The old wineskin of like, uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm doing this, all this stuff, and I'm tired. I'm supposed to be tired. So because I'm tired, I get to kind of just like veg out, watch Netflix for five years. And like on the weekends, I don't really have to engage with my kids. Like I've, I've had a long week. Like that's an old wineskin of... I don't need to be refreshed by the Holy Spirit. I don't need to have strength that comes from him that enables me to stand on the heights. That's the old wineskin of I get to just like flesh out because I'm a weak human. 
But there's like, that's true. You're a weak human. But there's also this truth that the Holy Spirit can fill us with. That's the new wine. Does anybody want the new wine? Like, I want, we need the new wine. And the reason we need new wine and fresh wineskins is because it changes the world. The world needs people who walk into an oncology clinic and they're living a different reality. So that people are like, how are you doing this? How are you still smiling? How are you, like, and yeah, you feel the pain, but do you see what I'm saying? It shocks people. What if instead of, like, hearing the news, you start, like, I gotta, I gotta get my kids and never go to school because there's all these school shootings, and I'm just freaking out right here. And it's, like, that's pretty valid, but that's also the old wineskin. There's a new wineskin of, like, hey, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they walk through fire. They were thrown into a furnace. Five people dive around. I'm, like, my kids, okay, I think, I think I'm okay, right? Like, your business, like, what, whatever it is, if you carry the new wine, the new revelation of the Holy Spirit, it's going to change everything. That's why in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23, Paul tells us to be renewed in the attitude of our minds, to let God renew our minds so that the dry and the brittle places of disappointment or abuse or the narrative you've had your whole life can be made new so you can carry this new revelation. Romans 12, verse 2, don't conform any longer to the pattern of the world, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. By letting God give you a new wineskin to carry the work that he's doing in you. And I just feel this so powerfully for us, that God is not running out of revelation. Sometimes I'm like, you know, I've known the Lord my whole life, and I can remember in college, (laughs) this is so funny, you can laugh at me, but thinking like at one point, like, well, I just, I've read the Bible. Like, I know what it says. I think I'm good. And it was like for like 24 hours, and the Holy Spirit was like, are you done? Like, do you think your mind is good enough? Because it's not. And your mind is prone to doing dumb things. Our mind is like prone to becoming dry and brittle and getting to capacity and being like, oh, I think I'm good enough. I'm going to go walk over here and just be full of flesh and pretty miserable and make everyone else miserable. But I'm a Christian. Like, that's not encouraging anyone, you know? Like, that's not new wine that you can let expand inside of you and grow inside of you. And then when that's grown, you move on to the next new wine because we're going from strength to strength with Jesus. We're going from revelation to revelation. I love that, you know, I, I love this interpretation of revelation when it talks about the angels around the throne and the elders, and they're just, like, throwing their crowns, and they're bowing. And I used to be like, why like the, the, the doing the same thing a million times. Why the monotony? But it's not that they're doing the same thing. They're receiving new revelation of who God is. And every time they're like, oh my gosh, you're so holy. Like I thought I knew it all, but now I see a new side of you. We can't ever think that we live 60 years. So now we're like capped out on the knowledge of God. We're going to spend all of eternity, all of eternity plumbing the depths of the new wine of Jesus. So do y'all want to be a new wine skin? fresh wineskin. I'm just going to pray right now for that, and then Andrew's going to come up. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are the revelation bringer. Thank you that you have a narrative for our lives. You have impact for our lives. So we just bring you all of our old wineskins. Would you just, even over the next few weeks, begin to point them out? I thank you that you don't bring them to our mind for shame. You bring them for our freedom. You bring it to our minds so that we can get rid of it or we can soak and let you massage oil into all the hard places. Would you teach us how to see life like you see it so that we really are the hope of the world, that we're like new sweet wine for other people to taste, that they're like, where'd you get that? Who gave that to you? And would it be for your glory, God?
Amen. Thank you. That's a good word. Wow. Okay, I want you to stand up. We are going to worship God and respond to Him. Anybody else want to respond to that? We will always want to be a people who respond to the Word of God. So we always end not just by receiving the Word of God, but by trying to take a few minutes together to worship again and invite the Holy Spirit. Okay, God, you just put something in my heart. Now, I, I want to, before I step out into my life and get back into the rhythm of everything, let's just take a few minutes and let that seed start to sprout. Take some roots, put it in my heart uh, so that we can, we can stay with it. Because uh, how many know you can receive it, but it's better to take it with you? So we are uh, going to respond in this way. We're going to worship one more song. And I just want to invite you in these moments that we have together to ask the Holy Spirit. And that might be new for you. you. You may not even be a follower of Jesus, but you can still ask God to speak to you no matter who you are, where you're coming from, because his house is for all people. I want you to invite God just in these moments or say, okay, God, is there, is there, any, is there any old wineskin that, that I can bring to you? I love that Kara said that the Holy Spirit is not running around pointing fingers saying, ah, look at your old wineskin, you know, figure it out. She said, if we want fresh wineskins, he's inviting us to bring them, bring, bring him our old ones. And so this is all an invitation from God. It's not finger pointing for you to figure it out. These final moments together, God has his arms wide open and he's inviting you. Why is he inviting you? Not just to correct you, but he wants to correct you so he can fill you. And if you're feeling empty, then it's a good time to get filled. <laughs> and God wants to fill you. I know for me, sometimes it's hard to respond to God because like, I don't even feel it. That's kind of the dead giveaway that I need it the most because I don't have anything. <laughs> so I want you to invite you to just, in your own way, in your own seat, to come to God and say, Lord, here's my life. It's open before you. Trust him enough to highlight anything in your life that he's saying, let me have that. And there may be some things that God wants you to give him that'll scare you a little bit. Kara's mentioned something like worry. You know, it's like, well, I'm good at worrying. It feels right to worry. I have this weird safety in worrying. I don't want to give you worrying and have you take away my worry. I, I, I'm comfortable with that. It, it may be a memory. It may be an attitude about yourself, about the world. It may be something that's scary that God's saying, give that to me. And you're like, I've never really given that to anybody. I've never really shared that. But trust him enough that he wants to soak it in water. He wants to massage you with oil and he wants to fill you with wine that place this morning. So just in these moments, we're going to have some people off to the sides available to pray with you if you want to. If you need prayer this morning, if you're standing there saying, God's doing something in my heart, but I just don't even know what it is, just go talk with somebody. They'd love to pray with you. They're not perfect. They just want to pray with you. And if you're here this morning and you've never even given your life to Jesus, you've never been made fresh, been made new by the love and the grace of Jesus, then this morning is an amazing day to give your life to Jesus. And his promise is that the old is gonna pass away and the new will come. This is the promise of God and his invitation to you this morning. If you wanna give your life to Jesus, please talk to somebody who you came with or who's off to the side and uh, just would love to talk with you and pray with you. So let's worship and can we, can we bring ourselves to Jesus?
I'm believing that this is not just going to be a series of messages we hear on Sunday mornings, but that this is going to be catalytic for each of us individually as a church. And therefore, like Kara said, it's going to be catalytic for our city. That as we bring our old wineskins to Jesus, as we let him make us new, we will be filled with new wine of the Holy Spirit. And our city, our nations, the neighborhoods, your family, your friends are going to be able to come and drink of what God gives you. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you so much. And I thank you for your invitation this morning. I pray, God, that you would just cast out all fear right now with your perfect love. And that we would all come closer than we've ever come just to Jesus. We offer you our lives. Would you come, Holy Spirit? Do what only you can do. Highlight the specific things that you want to do in our lives. Soak us in water. Massage us with oil. Fill us with wine in these moments as we celebrate who you are. God, I ask for anybody here who hasn't given their life to you. Lord, I, I just unashamedly ask that you would pull so hard right now that nobody, none of us will be able to leave without taking our next step closer to you. To so come, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name.